Today we're looking at Joe Biden's decision to absolve hundreds of billions of dollars of student loan debt. And we'll engage some of the arguments that we're hearing about it. In fact, we'll answer the question, is this really about the middle class or the lower class or actually just an opportunity for Biden to purchase votes in the midst of a failing presidency? We'll look at that question and many more today on IndieThinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Anchor.biz. That's A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z. And if you want to know what their biz is all about, it's about making your biz all that much better, especially if you have a small business or if you're looking to outsource some of what your business is doing right now to free you up to focus on what your business is really all about. I'm talking about accounting, bookkeeping, payroll, small business solutions, administrative tasks. All of those things are things that you can outsource to other places that can do them with greater expertise and even do so at a cheaper rate than you could if you hired somebody full-time to do it for you. So that's why you need to go over to our friends at Anchor and check out all of the business solutions they have to make your business the best that it can be. If you didn't go into business to do bookkeeping, but you went into business to make sure that you can facilitate the vision that you have for your business, then you need to go over to anchor.biz, A-N-C-U-R.B-I-Z, and see how they can help you today. And when you do so, let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Hey guys, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. If you've already done so, thank you for joining the resistance. Today, we're going to do what we do every week, and we're going to rescue people out of echo chambers by lowering the lifeline of faith in combination with reason to to help us look at what's going on in our world through, I think, one of the most helpful lenses that we possibly can. And that is the combination of, of faith and reason, morality and, and logic, and, and combining those things and seeing if they can help us. Now, obviously on the show, we do that from a Christian perspective, but as the name of the show suggests, we want you to think for yourself. So we're giving you a perspective that you won't necessarily hear other places, and we want you to consider that and think about it, and then just be honest about the results that, that you come up with as you start to engage what's going on in our world from, from this perspective and, and many more. Now, um, I want to start the show with kind of an anecdotal note. Just the other day, I was out with my family, and we were enjoying some time out on the lake in one of our uh, state parks. And there were some other kids out there with their family. I think three boys in particular looked to be probably about early middle school, maybe fifth grade elementary school, but they were young. And one of them shouted out a cuss word. And because I had my little kids with me, I immediately shouted over to the kids beside me and told them, hey, watch your mouth. Um, and now the kids uh, gave me kind of a dirty look and they uh, went about their business and, of course, gave no other issues. But uh, because of the way the kids responded, I wanted to immediately go up and tell their parents how amazing of a job they're doing raising their children. Uh, but my wife was kind of reluctant to do so and thought that perhaps if these kids are that brazen to do that in front of their parents, their parents don't care. And I didn't care. I wanted their parents to know one way or the other. Uh, but I relented. And in a rare case of divine wisdom, I, I listened to my wife, which every once in a while happens, um, usually for the better, by the way, fellas, just FYI. Um, but she, uh, she, she kind of pulled me back and I thought to myself, I'm actually not that interested in raising other people's kids for them. Um, uh, but I did want to say something to him, but, I, but the reason I wanted to say something to them, I think is, is important. And the reason I tell the story is that it's consequences that help us understand 
whether or not our decision-making has been effective. Uh, it is consequences that finally helped me realize that I need something more in my life. I need faith in my life to help me make better decisions than the ones I was making on, on my own. When my decisions backfired and I had to reap the consequences for my decisions, it's then when the tension started to come that made me realize change was necessary. And this is true of all of us from a non-religious perspective. Um, or a religious perspective. Consequences are great teachers in our life. And I thought to myself, not just because I don't like smart aleck little kids, but um, or because it's a pet peeve of mine when people don't know how to raise their own kids right, but simply because I cared enough about those kids to maybe help them try to feel the consequences for their actions so that they might be a little bit more considerate in, in public settings in the future. So as you can see, as always, I had their best interests in mind, and it was because I loved them that I was going to go have a word with their parents. Now, the reason I bring that story up is just simply this, is that we're going to have a conversation about the absolution or the forgiveness of, at least in part, student loan debts. And what we're actually asking is, should we alleviate the consequences of a consensual decision that was made by students? Now, again, before you jump into any conclusions, we're going to try to dig into all the arguments there. But they're, they're, we need to do so with an understanding that actually what we're asking is, should we take away consequences from our decision making? So consequences, at least in part, ten dollars to $20,000 of the consequences of the decision that students made to take out student loan debts, of which I am one of them, um, those consequences no longer exist. Just like unicorn farts and LGBTQIA activists who can intelligently answer the question, what is a woman? Those consequences and those things don't exist. And so the question that comes to us is, is it right to alleviate those consequences or should those consequences be in place to help us learn from the decisions that we've made. Suffice to say, one of the arguments that we've been hearing is this, is that that we should be willing to bail out private citizens when we are bailing out corporate companies, right? So you think about what happened in 2008, and you think about uh, what Republicans are often accused of giving tax breaks to big corporations and the like, people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates, although he's a darling of the left um, and not often included in the equation, he is certainly a benefactor of, of some of those tax benefits. Um, so, so the question is this, is, is why is it okay to bail out corporations, but not okay to bail out a private citizen? And here we have, uh, just recently, Bernie Sanders going on this week with George Stephanopoulos. And he said this, quote, I don't hear any of these Republicans squawking when we give massive tax breaks to billionaires. So I bet it won't take too much intellectual prowess on your part to discuss in your own head the difference between private citizens and corporations. Now, I'll let you think deeply about it for a moment before you come up with an answer. But don't strain too much. Please, God! Give me the answer! Okay, so the obvious answer is this, is that corporations are money-generating mechanisms for the economy that offer jobs which ultimately bolster the economy. So in a capitalist society, we can argue whether or not it would be beneficial to do what we can to aid the free market in participating in the bolstering of economic ventures that produce wealth on large scale. 
individuals as, as such do produce wealth, but not at the scale of a business or a corporation. So the obvious difference between uh, tax breaks for rich corporations and a bailout or a tax break, as it were, for uh, private citizens who decided to go to college, very, very different. Now, we also know this, that, uh, and you, we heard this just recently from Bill Maher, that ultimately college is this, uh, this golden ticket that doesn't really exist, that grants people entrance into the upper or higher middle class. And so it's this idea that if you go to college, you're going to become this wealthy person and you need a degree to do that. Here's Bill Maher on his show discussing this with Amy Klobuchar and Rob Reiner. It's a giant scam. It's a consumer product that they're selling you as a golden ticket to be in the upper middle class but they're not really getting any education. Now I show you that clip just to simply say this. I think by now we can all agree, whether you're right or left or anywhere in between, that it is a fabrication of sorts. It is a fantasy of sorts to suggest that you become some great money producing, wealth producing individual just because you went to a college or university. In fact, it is becoming more required, but less important for us to do this. Now. Along the way, this is the, the whole question that we're asked. So Bernie Sanders wants to pose this thing as though this is, a, um, this is something for the regular people. This is something not for the billionaires out there who get tax breaks from Republicans. This is something for the regular people. And this is what the Democrats are doing. Um, and this is something that's been echoed by uh, Liz Warren. So this brings us kind of to the second point. So, of, of course, the first one is this, that uh, why would you give a tax break or um, why would you give um, millions of dollars to uh, corporations as opposed to um, giving it to private citizens? And the reason is, is because one bolsters the economy and the other doesn't. So hopefully that's that's asked and answered. But uh, the second thing is this, is that, well, this is just something that's there to, to help the working class people and to help those who are truck drivers and, and nurses and those who are struggling right now in this economy that is in no way been absolutely destroyed by Democrats. And so here's Liz Warren on CNN making the case that this student loan bailout is actually for the sake of the lower class and the low middle class working individual. President Biden's decision to cancel billions of dollars in student loans. You've been pushing for this for a long time. It was a key part of your presidential yes. campaign. And yet this debt relief is not as much as you wanted. Are you disappointed that President Biden didn't go further? <laughs> I am so happy to see what has happened. I recognize that right now, hardworking families, middle-class families, working-class families have gotten some real relief. Think about it this way. Most of the relief that the president has given, remember the majority of people are gonna get $20,000 in student loan debt relief. 40% of the folks who have student loans do not have a college diploma, four-year diploma. These are people who are truck drivers and who are nail technicians and nurses aides. They are actually going to get their debt canceled out. Now, we'll get back to Liz's, um, some of her tertiary arguments here in a moment. But first, I just, I just want to say this. Um, the idea that what Joe Biden just did in absolving hundreds of billions of dollars in student loan debt at the time of an inflationary crisis, right, 
what he did right there is is being positioned by some Democrats as something that is for the working class and the middle class. And the reason they're getting away with this talking point is they say people who are making under one hundred and twenty five thousand uh, dollars are the ones who qualify for this. If you make more than that, then you don't need to qualify for that. You've got too much money. Newsflash, even in the destru- like self-destructive economy that Joe Biden is creating, one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars is still a lot of money that you are giving to people who went to colleges, some of which Ivy League colleges. The question is this, is that are the people who are going to these universities and have outstanding student loan debt and just had that student loan debt absolved really the people who need it the most? One would think that you might want to position monies a little bit more directed toward the people who really need it most, the working class people, the people who are the truck drivers, the people who are the nurses, the people who go to trade schools instead of get degrees in lesbian dance theory. Now, I know when you hear conservatives like myself say that, you immediately think to yourself, what's the percentage of people actually getting degrees in such nonsense stuff? Well, the point is this, is that more and more people are getting degrees in the humanities and getting degrees in things that they don't necessarily need degrees in. If you're going to be a lawyer, if you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be an astrophysicist, if you're going to be in a Uh, in an occupation that demands that you have a high level of skill and a high level of education, fine. But the vast majority of people that go to college and university are getting degrees like marketing degrees. If you're really going to do this towards the working class, I go back to this reality that you should focus on trade schools. For instance, According to skillwork.com, there are nearly 3 million unfulfilled trade jobs right now with 500,000 in manufacturing alone. So I want to stop right there before we go on to uh, some other staggering statistics that I think you'll find interesting to say this, that the jobs right now that America could use the most are the jobs that people don't want. Why don't they want them? Because they have a degree in sports marketing and they think they're too qualified for these trade jobs. But these are the jobs that are the backbone of America and the jobs that also um, the vast majority of people who are in the middle class occupy, certainly in the lower middle class occupy. So why aren't we directing any of those funds towards them? get to that in just a moment. But just to show you that there's such a need in these trade jobs, a little bit more statistics is in order. From February to March 2021, job postings for plumber apprentices increased by 24%. Carpentry apprentices increased by 33%. Construction workers increased 17%. Now, both the commercial construction and manufacturing industries are expected to have plenty of job openings over the next decade with the construction industry expected to grow 4%, adding 296,000 new jobs, and the manufacturing industry forecasted to have 2.4 million unfilled jobs. So as you can see, we have a huge vacancy for people in these trade positions. If anything, what we should be doing is we should be offering an incentive for people to go to trade schools, $10,000, $20,000 of uh, your, your tuition paid for so that you can go to these trade jobs so that you can fill a much needed position. Now, Perhaps the reason they're not willing to do this, and of course I'm going to get into some of the arguments in a little bit later that really kind of fundamentally deal with these things. But perhaps the reason they're really not willing to do that is the vast majority of people who occupy trade skill jobs 
are not Democrat voters. They're, they're going to be Republican voters. So why would they do the kind of thing that would not specifically work in their favor? One would have to ask that question, wouldn't one? Now, the third thing that we're hearing, too, is this, is that these college loans are predatory and, and colleges are kind of a, a Ponzi scheme that have hoisted over this kind of lie on the American public. And, um, and, and, and students that are 18 years old are not really in a place to be able to make the kind of decisions that they're making to take out hundreds of th thousands of dollars of student loan debt that's going to cripple them for the foreseeable future. Well, there's a couple of things. So first, I, I will agree with the premise that um, that 18 year olds are not old enough to really be able to make these decisions. I mean, these are people who cannot um, legally drink. And these are people who just barely got the right to uh, enter into the military if, if they wanted to. Uh, these are people who just gained the right to vote because we didn't even trust them before that. And, and, and now we're asking them to sign away what will ultimately be at least the next 10 years of their life with these massive crushing student loans. And this is part of the, the thing that makes a lot of people come to the defense of these college students and say, hey, these loans are predatory. They're preying upon young kids. And all I can say to that is, you mean like the transgender movement? preying upon 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds offering mastectomy to, to those before they're even 18. I mean, we're saying that kids can't even decide to take out a loan, but they can obviously decide to enter into life-altering permanent surgery. Suffice to say, um, that is the one thing I agree with. But the question is, is when we find something that is predatory, what do we do about it? Well, one would think we would go to the institution and make them pay rather than making the taxpayer pay, which ultimately this is this will come from the taxpayers. Just recently, the um, secretary, uh, communications secretary for the press secretary for Biden was asked this question, who is going to pay for this stuff? And this is what she had to say about it. Do you all believe that this this student loan program is fully paid for? And if it's not, why does the president think it was important to have all of his other spending priorities fully paid for to be fiscally responsible, but not this one? So we do, uh, we, so this, again, this is the question that um, uh, my colleague here, uh, Ambassador, got. So it, we have to get a better sense, right, of what we're talking about as far as cost. Wait, let me just, let me just say that out loud. She is the, she is the domestic policy advisor, and when she was asked that question, so I just want to iterate what she said. Uh, but we do believe it will be fully paid for because of the, because of the work that this president has done with the economy, because of what you just said. Um, uh, well, what I just said is what we have done to, to bring down the deficit, the deficit reduction. That matters in the work that we'll continue uh, to do. Look, when you look at IRA, uh, it is also that three that three hundred billion dollar uh, deficit is going to matter, right? When you think about that one point seven trillion by the end of uh, this fiscal year is going to matter as well. Uh, and also, here's the thing: when uh, the pause being lifted, that's going to bring into uh, bring fifty billion dollars per year back into the treasury. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. So let me just help you with this one. The person who's going to pay for it is, well, you. And 
maybe not even you, because you're still paying for the generation before you's bad decision making, and you're probably going to pass this on to your kids. We'll get to this in a moment too. But let's just jump into the idea that colleges are just some big Ponzi scheme offering, as Bill Maher said, a golden ticket to the middle class that actually never comes into fruition and doesn't really happen. Uh, that more and more the demands for college education is, is raising, but there really isn't a need for college uh, for college education as much as we're trying to make out of it. So, the idea is this: is that a Ponzi scheme is a an investment where it's a um, a high yield return with very little risk. This is ultimately what a Ponzi scheme is, because the reality is is that the biggest return on investments are those investments that have the highest risk. But when we come to a, a admissions office at a college university, we're told, hey, you take out these loans. You don't have to pay a dime of it until you graduate. And so you know, it's, it's really low risk. You, know, you don't even see that money until you just get a piece of paper. And what is that piece of paper anyway? But think about the reward that you're going to get. It's low risk, super high reward. You're going to come out of college with a great degree. It's going to afford you an amazing job. And you'll make tons of money. And you'll pay off those student loans debts in no time. Of course, we all know that to be a complete fabricated lie. But here is the difference between the Ponzi scheme of schools and the Ponzi schemes that happen in the real world. The biggest Ponzi scheme, of course, that's ever taken place is uh, the Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme. Um, but you may ask yourself, who is going to pay back those people who were defrauded by Bernie Madoff? Well, according to the CIO publication, it says this. In March 2009, Madoff pled guilty to 11 federal felonies and admitted to running the world's largest Ponzi scheme. In June of that year, he was sentenced to 150 years in prison in order to forfeit $170.8 billion. The Madoff Victim Fund is funded through recoveries by the U.S. Attorney's Office and various criminal and civil forfeiture actions and is overseen by Richard Breeden the former chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission. Madoff died in prison in April at age 82. Of the approximately $4.05 billion that will be made available to victims through the Madoff Victim Fund, $2.2 billion was collected as part of the civil forfeiture recovery from the estate of Jeffrey Pickower, a deceased Madoff investor. Another $1.7 billion was collected as a part of a deferred prosecution agreement with J.P. Morgan Chase Bank for Madoff-related Bank Secrecy Act violations. So in other words, who's paying for that Ponzi scheme? Well, it's, it's not the taxpayers. It's the people who participated in and benefited from that Ponzi scheme. They are the ones who are paying for it. So the federal government isn't even paying for the Madoff Victim Fund. Um, and the same should be true of these college loans. If you want real justice, if you want real reparations, then what you should do is not put this further on a national debt and have no way of paying for these college student loans, you should actually go to the institutions and make them make the, the necessary requisite restitution to students. That's the only way for this to actually look like anything just. But we're not actually talking about justice. We're asking for handouts. Long gone are the days of JFK and saying that, Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Thank you.
Instead, we've got an American Idol style way of thinking about what true success is. True success is getting the most that we possibly can without earning any of it. This isn't justice. This is an unashamed attempt at purchasing votes. Joe Biden has been an absolute disaster in his presidency, and he knows it, and everybody else in the Democratic aisle knows it. He has two victories to his name, which may not even be considered victory, depending upon how deeply you want to think about these things. Uh, the trillion dollar package that he just signed with the help of Joe Manchin, and I guess the supposed January 6th committee, which for the life of me, I cannot describe yet what it has accomplished. Maybe you can. Suffice to say, no, this is not justice. What this actually is, is an unashamed attempt at purchasing votes, specifically targeted at the people who would be most likely to vote for a Democrat. And that would be young, college-educated people who have not the experience and the wherewithal to understand that the kind of spending done by the Democratic Party is the kind of spending that will destroy this country. Now, I will also step back and say that Republicans are no better. And this is why we have to start holding our elected officials a little bit more responsible. But the way that we do that is not by allowing them to dangle a carrot in front of us to win favor and to try to win votes by them offering us $10,000 or $20,000. I hope and pray that you will not be for sale in that capacity and that you won't fall for this. This is clearly an attempt just to try to curry favor with a voter block. And for the life of me, I hope that it doesn't work. Now, what else is this? It's an inflationary disaster. This is just like the government to throw bundles of cash on a fire to make sure that it keeps on going. This is always their solution to everything. It's never common sense. It's never uh, practical wisdom. It's never cutting back in a place. It's, it's always this, raising taxes to pay for boondoggle bills that shouldn't have ever been passed in the first place. We're in the middle of an inflationary crisis. Yes, gas prices are going down, but going down from what? going down from record highs. We're still in the midst of the reverberations of a Ukraine invasion and stupid policy by our president. And ultimately, it brings us back to the understanding that if we can't hold our elected officials responsible for not throwing money on a burning fire, then it will be something that spells the end. And ultimately, that's why I bring this up. Why even talk about student loan forgiveness in, in the in the context of a podcast that is about faith and reason. Well, I think fundamentally we have to get back to understanding morality in a more in a more deep sense so that we don't make the kind of mistakes that I saw here. This tweet that that I'm throwing up on the screen right now shows a guy who clearly doesn't understand his Bible and clearly doesn't understand forgiveness. Essentially, uh, for those of you who are not watching the show, uh, this tweet said this, that for those of you who are evangelical Christians, you should be the most in favor of debt forgiveness. After all, isn't that what your Savior did for you? Now, um, let me give you a couple of points of clarification. Uh, first of all, what just happened was not forgiveness. It was debt cancellation. Here's the difference. When Jesus forgave people of their debts, he had the right to hold those payments against those people and instead decided not to ask for repayment. In fact, what actually just took place with this debt cancellation and why it's different than forgiveness is this, is that the person who did not have the right to absolve those debts did so anyway and passed on those debts to somebody else. Trust me on this. Those debts will be paid. 
They're just not going to be paid by the people who are cheerleading on the side of this bill. In fact, people like Liz Warren, who are well into their 60s, are merely using this as an opportunity as a platform to run for president in 2024. She doesn't care about the future and who has to pay for this kind of thing. She doesn't care about the crushing debt that will fall upon the next generation. She only cares about being the president. In 60 years, the woman is no longer even going to be an afterthought. She only cares about right now. And this is the point of why I even wanted to bring up any of this stuff in the first place. A society is not far from complete degeneracy once they start sacrificing their children's future on the altar of the president. We're not far from failure when that happens. The last days of a society begin to take for granted their children and sacrifice their children as though they don't matter just so that they can enjoy leisure in the present. Now, I've talked before on the show about Hezekiah leaders and how a society that is close to destruction says, let evil come in another time as long as it doesn't come in my time. It's the exact opposite of Thomas Paine and what he said, if evil comes, let it come in my generation so that I can deal with it so my kids don't have to. See, ultimately, we need to adopt that attitude if we're actually going to thrive as a society and be a moral society, a society with principles, once again. Now, I'll say, as I often do at the close of most of my shows, if we're going to do that, we might want to veer away from secularism and get back to something that may actually cause us to care less about our own self-centered desires and get back to a greater, more overarching truth that we need to accept, without which a society is not far from its final days. Now, I don't want to sound totally apocalyptic, so I'll end on this note. If I'm right in my suggestion that this is the last-ditch effort to bail out a sinking ship, you know, rearranging the, uh, the chairs on the Titanic, if I'm right about that, and Joe Biden is just simply doing this as an attempt to bail out a failing presidency more so than a bailout for you and for me, then I would just suggest this that the one thing you can do to make sure that your voice is heard and to make sure that the repercussions of these kind of things don't continue to happen in the future is to make sure that your voice is heard at the ballot box, to make sure that you don't fall for this kind of extortion. After all, those who went to colleges and universities are supposed to be the smartest among us, so they should be able to see through lies like the one right here. AP just recently reported that leadership at the Federal Reserve has become its most diverse ever. There are more female, black, and gay officials contributing to the central bank's interest rate decisions than at any time in its 109-year history. Well, they're doing a bang-up job, 40-year inflation high and continuing to grow. So keep up the diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's way better than actual money in our pocket and actually being able to secure our children's future. Don't fall for it, guys. Let your voice be heard in 2022 and 2024, because after all, it's not my truth or your truth. It's the truth that matters most most in what we need the most right now. Well, I hope that helped. And even though you can't add anything to such unassailable logic, you can comment down below. But don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.